We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Good evening and welcome to TalkSport here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Plenty to come on this evening's programme. Paying tribute to the late Gary Halpin. Before sadly passed away earlier this week, aged just 55. Kylie from Kilkenny Rugby Club will join us to reflect on Gary's life. Also coming up this evening, David Roach from Roach's Physio. Discussing all about sports injuries. And we'll have our usual panel discussion on all the week's big sporting stories as well. If you want to make contact with us this evening, 086 353 7782 is our taxback.com text line. kick it off with racing. It was an eight race card in Dundalk this afternoon. They got underway at four o'clock and keeping tabs on that for us is Bear Scott. So a very good evening to you Bear. Good evening Liam. Yes, they started in Dundalk at four o'clock this afternoon and the uh, first race there was won by number one. Every hour on the hour that was uh, five to one, uh, sorry, seven to two. The second was number ten never missed the beat, five to one and third was number six Nicely wailing, 22 to 1. Number 5 was the beaten favourite there in 14 ran. Before 30, this went to number 1, Tartlett, 15 to 8 favourite. Second was number 8, Blackstone, Cliff, 100 to 30. And third, number 4, Spelliga, 9 to 2, and 9 ran. 5 o'clock went to number 2, Till Connell, 9 to 2. Second was number 3, Bobby K, 7 to 2, Jan favourite. And third, number 11, Kai Big, 16 to 1. The other giant favourite there was number one and uh, 13 ran. The 5.30, number eight was the way here, Swiss Wu, 10 to 1. Second was number four, New Path, 100 to 1. And third was number five, Skilled Warrior, the 5 to 4 favourite. Numbers one, 13, and 16 were nine runners and 14 ran. Now the six o'clock I haven't got in, but I expect you to have that three. Yeah, we'll get that shortly, Bear. So there's, as usual, three races left tonight, named the uh, half six to the seven furlong event for four-year-olds and upwards. Uh, I'm not quite sure what will be favour here. Possibly uh, Godhead, a former inmate of uh, John Gosden, Cross Channel, which is now in the care of Adrian McGuinness. Adrian also runs Laugh-A-Minute, who in fact could also be favour. Uh, Joshua Ryan runs two, that's number one. Fame and acclaim, and number six, and San Andreas, which actually won the race last year, and might even be favourable. But as I said, a bit of a guessing game here. And uh, a lot of these are, there's only six runners, but most of them have been off the track for quite a while. A couple of them actually have their first run on an all weather surface, so it's a bit of a guessing game. I think last minute, who had a, a couple of unlucky runs before Christmas up there now, 
the trip might be a little bit far for him, but I think he'll be okay. And I think he's the one that might uh, carry the shilling or two. San Andreas, if it's ready, as the fellow says, will be a threat. The 7 o'clock, this is a handicap over 7 furlongs. As usual, quite tricky. I, it's hard to guess what even might be favoured here, but I would imagine number 3, Strange Times. Number 5, Sideshow Bob. Number 6, 100, Not Out. And number seven, Indiana Gray might all be vying for favoritism here, but it's hard to know exactly how well the money could come for any of these. The, the horses I mentioned all have re- good recent form. Indiana Gray is the horse I actually went for last Friday night, lean for the old Euro each way. Ran well to finish fourth, and uh, ran so well that I'd say a win is imminent. Whether it's tonight or not, I'd We'll give you points for bravery anyway. The six o'clock from Dundalk was won by number five, Golden Phoenix, at 11 to 1. In second was number four, Green Pressing, at 5 to 2. And in third was number six, San here, at 18 to 1. That's the six o'clock from Dundalk. Bear, yeah. Nicky here. And did you enjoy that programme on Teaching Car last night? That was great, Nicky. I, I look, I seen early in the week that it was coming up, but I completely forgot about it. And only for you last night, I would have missed it. I was half asleep at the time. Gee, it was a classic programme. That was terrific. Some no, great memories there from uh, Lescargo and uh, yeah. Among the, the Horses, Easterbrack and yeah. all of that. Yeah, yeah, lovely oh, programme, great memories and, uh, yeah, fantastic days. Without a doubt. Okay, Bert. Thanks, lad. Almost like racing's uh, answer to Laker Gale, really. Was really, that's what it was, Liam. It was, it was a tremendous. Did you see it? No, I didn't yeah, get a chance. Yeah, it was fantastic, Liam. It was really done a, br- a brilliant job. Uh, and this actually was, would you believe it? Down Bear, uh, Bear got off the line. He got off the line, Bear. He's gone. Yeah. yeah, as it happens, actually, it was produced and directed by Stephen Cullinan. Stephen right. Cullinan is an it father came from Galmai. Oh, very good. There you go. Yeah, so Stephen was involved with TV3 one time. I got to know Stephen well, yeah. Yeah, yeah great programme. If you're into the horses at all, it mm. was it really done a lovely job on it. And got, got a lovely interview with, especially J.P. McManus, who probably mm. doesn't never speak too much, but it showed how passionate he was about it. T.G. Cahar are synonymous with great sporting ah, yeah, documentaries. Absolutely. And if you keep this forum up, they might do a documentary on your no. greyhound tips. Oh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. Anyway, listen, we, we're, uh, we're under pressure tonight. Starts at half seven out in James's Park. The first race there is the Welcome to the Kenny Track A. 
0818525. I'm going for number one there, Christy Hayes' long over, number one, to get the better of. Number three, Pops Brandit, Bandit, uh, owned and trained by Gerardon over there in uh, Three Castles. In race number two, it's the protocols, uh, COVID-19 protocols, A7525. My tip there is going to be number three, Bogger Gizmo, Liam Peacock's dog. I'm going to mention Bogger a lot tonight. Bogger P- uh, Gizmo, number three, to get the better of. And number five, Myra Costigans from Porkish's Myra's Jet. Moving on to race number three, the frightful Flash Kennels Novice 525 final. I'm going for number one, Brian Ellard's The Blue Lagoon, to get the better of. Number two, three, sorry, three, Blackstone Nerve. Uh, Patrick's in it out there in Kells. Moving on to race number four, it's a sales meeting at Kilkenny Track as an A6525. My tip there is number four Bernard Cawley's Sunset Daisy to get a better of uh, number one Jerry Mulroney's Jagger Bomb Tom race number five the Irish Greyhound Retired Greyhound Trust A5525 my tip there is number four Long Kiwi Brian Doyles from Thurless to get the better of Stuart Cavanagh's trained by Stuart Cavanagh's Jim Kelly Lizzie number five race number six it's the O'Grain Greyhound Feeds A5525 my tip there number three uh, Paddy Flynn's and Jane Lynham Trainers Hey Black Magic, number three to get the better of Bogger Megan, Liam Peacock's dog there. Race number seven, the Ballymac Anton at Stud A4525. I'm going for number five there. File Julie, John Mackey. We have to tip John Mackey's dog. Don't give out to me now, John. Uh, to get the better of number two, Carton Steele, Kenneth Mulcahy's, and Thomas Francis's dog trained by Michael Den- Donnelly. Race number eight, it's the additional nights racing at Kilkenny Track, A4525. I'm going for number four, Bogger Gina, Liam Peacock dog there to get the better of Patrick Beanie's racked off legend. Race number nine, the McCalmon Cup, A3525. It starts next week, that um, starts next Friday night in earnest. I'm going for a young Billy Sin. It's number three, Blackstone Flyer, a regular winner at the track out at Kilkenny to get the better of. Number five, Carlo Jett, a good dog as well. That'd be a good race. Uh, the second last race, race number 10 the GRI Barking Buzz app A3525 by tip there is another Liam Peacock dog number 4 Bogger Charlie to get the better of number 6 Perry's Lucky Pick Amelia Waters trained by Morty Lahey and finally around 25 past 9 the last race will take off as the Greyhound Racing Ireland A2525 going for number 4 Carlo Best Henry Kelly's William Hanlon's dog there number 4 Carlo Best to get the better of Liam Peacock's number 5 Bogger Benny and that's it Liam. OK Nicky thank you very much indeed we gave Burr for Brave and back on the horses we have to give you equal uh, points for bravery as well up next on the programme we'll talk to physio David Roach We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM and you are in tune with TalkSport. Right, let's go to the world of physiotherapy and sport and I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by David Roach David, a very good evening to you Good evening, Liam. How's things? Not too bad. Um, David, we'll get straight into it. Um, COVID-19, it's had a bearing on absolutely everything, and I'm sure in terms of injuries, has it had any sort of a bearing on what people are coming in, coming into you with? Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I think one of the biggest things we, we understand about injuries, I suppose, is injuries often occur from doing too much too mm. quickly. So people are having a, a state of, un, um, of rest, I suppose, or extended rest, being forced to stay inside their 5K, for example, or maybe even just feeling a little bit down after the whole um, situation with COVID and then when they get spurts of energy to go and do things they probably do a little bit too much and, mm. and that can lead to overuse injuries or, or acute injuries which we see a lot of here um, and I suppose secondly you're looking at things where they're wanting to do um, massive amounts in the small time that they have so 
it's definitely it's definitely been a thing um, as far as uh, COVID's concerned with uh, the, an increase in uh, in overuse injuries for sure. So maybe that lack of an eye, if you're in a, a training set, a scenario, is kind of it's causing it because you're you're going to you're working off your own devices at this in, in this in the current climate. Definitely, yeah. I suppose it's it's testament to testament some of the gyms out there as well. Mm. I suppose that these these people who are usually under the cover or the wing of the gym, shall we say, are now left to their own mechanisms and they're just training as hard as they like or as uh, vigorously as they like without anybody to, to A, hold them back or, or B, guide them on, on good technique. So we'll see a lot of that kind of back pain situation mm. coming in now, especially in the colder months, you know. I just wonder, David, is there much of a difference between, say, your 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 say your cross your cross uh, country runner and a guy that comes in that plays a team sport? Is there much difference in the disciplines in terms of injuries? Yeah, there's loads really when you think about it because I suppose if we if we you know compare running versus uh, field sports of any description, so you know things even like golf, even like uh, GA football, GA hurling soccer for example mm. the field based sports are what we would call a three dimensional plane of motion sport so there's there's acceleration and deceleration there's change of direction there's a skillful action on top of a change of direction and that's very very difficult you know to perform those consistently with a and keep your, your training level high for that to, to reduce injury risk and then I suppose if you compare that against um, things like cross country running or track running which is you know running in one direction it, it's mainly uh, a frontal plane a sagittal plane of motion or a front plane of motion we'll say uh, exercise um, use different muscle parts for example so they're completely different things where when you're running in straight lines for long periods of time you can you know hurt things like these uh, you can hurt things like hamstrings uh, plantar fasciitis is quite a common one glute pain lower back pain from running with poor technique for example so they have their you know they have their their crossover but the two biggest outstanding I suppose differences is one would be very much acceleration deceleration in a powerful you know range of motion and the second one would be for running would be just consistent, you know, monotonous running, shall we say. Yeah. It's very different, yeah. And have you a lot of people that come in that have themselves self-diagnosed before they go into you and say, I, I, I know what's wrong with me, I know why I have this niggle? Yeah, I think uh, the most popular doctor in the world is Dr. Google, I think. Um, <laughs> and he has a he has a, a very harsh reality for people, I think, at times. that You know, I would definitely, I would never, ever recommend um, Googling symptoms. I think they'll come back with very grave results regardless of the injury. But, um, you know, I have to say, people are, are definitely, I've had this conversation with one of my athletes from America recently, but people are very uh, tuned in these days. Like, the, you know, running has become, when he's running, for example, again, has become so professional. Like, you know, like, when I started running back in the day, it was just me running on the ring road. There was nobody else really there. I did it for recreational purposes, etc. Um, but now everyone has their Stravas, and everybody has their, their coaches, and everybody has, uh, you know, they're linked up to their, to their apps and stuff, which is brilliant. But um, on the back of that too is people aren't um, professional athletes and they probably don't have the same time to um, to you know, recover. Like that's what the professional athletes have over amateur athletes like myself, etc. Where they don't have jobs or kids to look after that they can, they can recover. So yeah, running has become more professional. But uh, we definitely need to, to to understand what's going on with the body. And we're here, I suppose, to help educate people so they're not worrying, but also make sure that we're, mm. we're bringing them through recovery phases as quickly and as efficiently as possible you know and do you think that you touched on it there do you think that's a good thing or is there is there a balance balancing act that has to be taken into account as well because I think the days of going out to play a match and just running around for an hour and going home and not worrying about your fitness levels for the week are long gone 
oh, oh, massively. And do you know what? I'm all kind of furried, but I don't like to see um, people put themselves under pressure as well. Mm. Like people see all this cool stuff uh, on Instagram and 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 uh, you know social media, for example, where they see people and they feel like they should be running with like them, they should be you know looking as good as them, for example. But if you're taking stress away from your 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 running and stuff, it's, it's probably counterproductive. You need to be maybe looking at something else. So there is that kind of downside to it, but obviously we want people moving, we want people keeping healthy and fit, you know, it's the only way, you know, to improve their quality of life is by staying somewhat fit. So I find it hard to to, to uh, give anyone a snap at the risk for doing uh, lots of training. I would definitely start a relationship with your, your local uh, health professional to make sure that you're doing as much right as you can, you know. And David, what attracted you to physiotherapy? Because, I mean, in some ways you're almost like the gods uh, over a sports person, but yet you're very much in the background as well and don't get the same credit as they do on the field of play or on the running track. Yeah, I, I think I just, like, I think I just kind of gravitate. I love to help people. I always have. I love to be, a, a, I've always known the pleasure of being a small cog in a machine. Even back in my early days uh, in Manchester at uni when I was very lucky to work mm. uh, summer placement with a professional rugby team, Sales Sharks, which I eventually went to work for anyway in the end but um, I like the idea of being a small cog for the betterment of, of, of a goal and when people align with a goal when you align with somebody with a goal um, you both win regardless of who gets the fame of it all I don't really want to be you know um, in front of uh, I barely would come on to talk to you Liam I, I don't like that kind of stuff but I do yeah. like the uh, goal for the betterment of people so I've just always kind of bought into that and I'm a big believer in when you meet somebody that yeah, you kind of set things up with them at the start and you work to the betterment of themselves and that's just always been really attractive to me I like that idea you know yeah, and we're not all in prime condition and playing at the top of our game and sports athletes. There, there are us mere mortals as well. Um, if you're talking to someone like me or someone who doesn't play sport regularly, how would you how would you advise people in that position to stay fit? Maybe they're not obsessive about doing uh, exercise every day of the week, but just to stay in reasonable shape and to avoid any serious injury. Yeah, it's a great question. Like I suppose what I would often do to people is I take away umbrella terms. I always like to, to remove umbrella terms. Like when someone comes to me, like. I'm very lucky as you were saying to me earlier on to work with a lot of higher level athletes from around the world and like when they when they talk to me about you know winning things when they say to me I want to be a champion I kind of take away what's a champion mean it's an umbrella term you need yeah. to have a focus on a competition on a qualifying on a place on a, on a, on a level you want to hit before I talk about um, before I talk about like umbrella terms and that works for the general public like yourself and yourself you know fit is, is a general term as well you know what fitness means to you and what it means to me um, so we look at goals. I need general goals for you to work towards. If I can make sure you want to lose, maybe you want to lose some weight, for example, or you want to keep fit, we'll talk about uh, do you enjoy long walks or do you enjoy a bit of running? What's your past running experience? So we'll try to put those markers and make it relatable to you. And then just by participation alone and having a common goal, you're more likely to stay the course and get it done, aren't you? So it's important to do have goals rather than umbrella terms. Mm. And what's the most common injury that your usual Joe Soap gets? <laughs> um, there's loads and loads of back pain like oh my goodness um, and people often think oh I have a bad old back but the, your, your back realistically is the most robust structure you have in, in the body shall we say um, it doesn't really fail you too too often but the way we move fails us or the way we move um, under pressure fails us so there is a simple thing we think we talk about movement patterns we talk about a, play, uh, a plane of motion or, or a movement activity called the third plane of uh, motion or maybe maybe even um triple extension I should say which is actually the, the synchronization of the ankle knee hip and lower back as you take a step and they all have a different recruitment pattern of muscles and if you're over dominant say for example you know in your in your glutes or in your lower back that's going to stiffen up or if you don't have mobility or range of motion 
in your hips, for example, in layman's terms and speaking, you know, you're going to have the force transferred up into that back. So uh, people who walk, if, if you're moving, let's say, for example, Liam, that you're moving incorrectly, mm. like if you take 10,000 steps a day, you know, that's like 10,000 insults to your tissue. And before you know it, you might not see it, like the eroding of a rock, but you're going to break down eventually. So lower back pain is from movement pattern dysfunction is usually one of the most common things we see here in the general public. And as far as sprinters are concerned, usually hamstrings. And as far as like uh, recreational joggers are concerned, we often see, you know, calf problems and, and plantar fasciitis. But all in all, a nice mix from a nice, from a nice um, uh, widespread population for mm-hmm. sure. David, lovely to speak to you. If anyone wants to speak to you in a bit more depth, how can they find you? Okay, yeah, we're very easy to chat to. We, we love um, pick up the phone, helping people if we can. We have a nice, um, you know, up, up phone frank policy here where we'll chat with anybody about their injury and see if we can help them and let them know if we're the right fit for them straight away. But they can catch us on, you know, mobile 087-968-1987. We're very active on social media at Roach Injury Clinic on Facebook and on Instagram. And we're info at Roach Injury Clinic roachinjuryclinic.com for anyone who has any sort of email inquiries very easy to catch David it's been great and no doubt we'll talk to you again soon thanks for taking the call you're very welcome have a great evening same to you bye bye take care that's David Roach physiotherapist there and you can find him just above the village club here in Kilkenny City right when we come back we'll be paying tribute to the late Gary Halpin stay with us JJ Kavanagh's Daily Airport Service sponsors Talk Sport on Community Radio Kilkenny City Congratulations to our latest Community Radio Kilkenny City Split the Pot Jackpot winner, Sinead Cashin, who scooped a whopping €555 jackpot prize for an investment of just €2. Our next Community Radio Kilkenny City Split the Pot draw is on Friday, the 12th of March. you got to be in to win. Every one of us is still at risk from COVID-19. But every time we do the right thing, we're protecting ourselves and the people around us. So remember... We all need to take a step back. Let's make an extra effort to keep cleaning those hands and wear a face covering when you're shopping or on public transport. If you sneeze or cough, cover it or have a tissue handy. And download the COVID Tracker app to help reduce the spread of the virus because COVID-19 is still a problem and we're all the answer. JJ Kavnan Sons, keeping the country moving for almost a century. And now we turn to the passing of Gary Halpin. And I'm sorry, it's not under better circumstances, but uh, delighted to welcome to the programme Tim Kiley from Kilkenny Rugby Club. Evening to you, Tim. Hello, Liam. How are you? Not too bad. Um, it's very sad news, Tim, and a shock to everyone right around the city and county. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's uh, very hard to, I suppose, comprehend. I mean, anybody um, who knew Gary like he was a sort of larger-than-life character and, um, you know, to be... Uh, taken away I suppose from his family um, at such a young age 55 like is just as very hard for people to I suppose understand or comprehend really you know mm. same with any any sort of young death or fella in their prime you know people find it very difficult to comprehend it and um, sure he was sort of very well known and respected um, all over the country and uh, and in England and in the rugby world internationally generally so just listening to some of the uh, various programmes there during the week about him, um, you could really pick the positive sense of sort of shock because I think he's probably the first of the sort of professional players um, as such to, uh, to to die, really, you know. So I suppose um, it's, it's a shock for all of his, his playing, his teammates as well, you know. 
a huge loss and just listening to some of the Irish internationals speak about him during the week a very funny man oh he was he was great fun I mean um, I think uh, one of the one of the ones I was listening to anyway said that he was an extremely important part of the team because they weren't that successful at the time the early 90s and I think Gary's sort of sense of humour and uh, uh, his passion for life I think was uh, an integral part of picking them up um, when they were down the dumps after a few losses you know so I suppose very much he would have lived life the way he played it the game which was pretty much full on you know Mm. and uh, I suppose that was probably best encapsulated by that uh, great try he got famous try against the the All Blacks in the World Cup in 1995 uh, in South Africa and uh, now it's probably more legendary for his celebration after it but um, certainly but you know the power and the uh, to get over the line and I mean I'd say it's the first time I've ever seen uh, an All Blacks defence sort of part to let somebody you know so uh, the power he he brought to to get over the line was great you know and I think the story behind that was, if I'm not mistaken, Sean Fitzpatrick from New Zealand was almost goading him or in his ear throughout yeah, the 80 exactly. minutes. Yeah, yeah, he, he certainly, I, I don't think he was a big fan of, of <laughs> all of that stuff anyway, so he certainly took his, his opportunity to uh, to uh, to give it back to Sean Fitzpatrick anyway, so I uh, thank for that anyway. <laughs> yeah, he had a, a huge influence on the club out there in terms of coaching, but before we look at that, or Tim, the um, the rugby player Gary Halpin. For people of my age, he was just before we really got into rugby. Um, what do you remember of him, and what type of player was he? Well, he the position he played was tight head prop, um, which is in the front row, uh, which is uh, in the front row of the scrum. And uh, he was a very promising um, youth player, as such. So when he was in Rockwell College, uh, I think he would have played for the Irish schoolboys, Irish and Gravian team for two years, which would be you know pretty exceptional thing to do. Um, and particularly in the position that he played, uh, which was uh, like uh, in the, the heavy duty fire there in the front row, so he was a very promising prospect. But then he he was also extremely good at throwing the hammer, as you probably know, Liam. Yeah. And he went then took a sort of sabbatical from rugby and got his degree then over in New York um, in Manhattan College, I think. Um, but then he so he threw the hammer in the World Championships. Um, but then he decided to come back to rugby. Um, and he would have played with London Irish um, in the last days of amateur, and then he was their first professional captain. So I think he was in London Irish from about 1990 onwards to about 1998, and then he would have played in Harlequins uh, for his last two years, really, as a as a professional in England. And that, like, that Harlequins team he would have played with had a lot of... Um, New Zealand players like Zinzan Brook, they would have had Keith Wood, who was the Irish hooker at the time, and the Lions hooker. Um, a lot of Australian internationals as well. So it was very much a um, a multi uh, multinational team, and he was certainly hugely respected and valued by um, those uh, those teammates. You know, he made a huge contribution really to London Irish, and um, I just saw there on their um, website that they were obviously um, very saddened that. Um, as his loss, you know. And that seems to be his biggest influence because I know you have to take supporters and rugby players hand in hand when talking about former pros and, and their legacy. Mm-hmm. But the outpouring of tributes coming from former pros has been remarkable. He seemed to, like, uh, all of it is really only coming to light now. Yeah, well, you, you, you see, he, I suppose he, he was away for so long and then he came back to Kilkenny and uh, got involved in the club mm. so people who were involved in rugby locally would have always known of, of, of how he had done and obviously you know his father Tom was a legendary character in the club originally like a f- former player or president etc and I suppose the, 
from a local perspective, the great um, uh, legacy that Gary gave, I'd say he was probably the last of a, of a youth um, or minis to start out in James's Park before the club moved out to Fookstown in about 1975. Uh, so then he went all the way through, obviously played professionally all, and uh, came back then and he was extremely happy and extremely um, giving of his time uh, as the forwards coach uh, for the first team there uh, two years ago and he really really likes getting back into the into the scene again the local scene and going to the old club places like Enniscorti, Tullow all of those places he would have gone to in his youth and um, he was he was delighted at the way I suppose the game had progressed in that there were so many people and youths playing in all of those clubs you know uh, because he wouldn't have been on that sort of um road uh, since he was a, I suppose a young fella sort of 8, 9 and 10 or 11 you know mm. and to see like particularly you say in Tullow you have the legacy of Sean O'Brien and to see how um, many more people were playing the game and enjoying it you know and he was he was delighted to see that mm. um, change across the South East you know mm. and the crucial thing was whether it was post or prior to his career he never lost uh, the connection with Kilkenny Oh, he was very proud of it, and uh, he would mention it regularly um, in any of his um, interviews, or he had a very um, nice way about him, certainly as an after-dinner speaker. I think he was very popular on the uh, after-dinner circuit in um, in the UK, you know, and he's always mentioned Kilkenny, and he'd taken interest in the hurling, and um, he was you know, he, uh, he always wanted to know what was going on um, locally. Um, now, I remember when he was teaching in some boarding schools in England, uh, before he came home, he used to bring the um, pupils from there over to Kilkenny on tours. So they'd play matches against our youth teams, um, and then some of the girls would play hockey against Loretto and Kilkenny College and that. So, and then they went to the uh, the disco, the youth disco there at the club. So he did that every year. So a lot of people uh, from that school would have had experienced um, Kilkenny um, and uh, would have seemed just, you know, thanks to Gary and he always was very happy to come home and look forward to bringing those pupils over and explaining to them about Kilkenny and, you know, not just the sporting heritage but the cultural heritage as well. So um, he was very proud of Kilkenny, all right, too. Yeah, and Tim, finally, when all is said and done and the dust has settled and we, we were allowed to have reunions again, out in the rugby club, what do you think will be the overriding memory of Gary? And it's just terrible to be talking about him in the past tense. Well, Liam, it's 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 just very strange to talk about him in the yeah. past tense. I would say his legacy will be that uh, he played the game to the highest standard. Um, he made the best of himself, um, and he was uh, a huge contributor to the fun um, and uh, enjoyment uh, of the game. Um, at every level that he played at. Mm. Well, Tim, he joined us on a number of occasions and he was a pleasure to deal with. And uh, we're sorry we're not talking to you under better circumstances, but we really appreciate you taking the call and no doubt we'll talk to you again in a, on a happier note throughout the year. But thanks a lot. Not at all. Thank you, Liam. Thank Thanks you. very much. That's Tim Kiley there, Chairman of Kilkenny Rugby, on the passing of the late and very great Gary Halpin. Right, when we come back after this break, we'll look at some of the sporting stories of the week. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. 
And you are in tune with TalkSport here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Just looking at some of the other sporting stories. Well, Sam Bennett, he's won the second stage of the UA Tour. That's the cycling. Uh, team news ahead of tomorrow. Ireland go to Rome for a 2.15 start against Italy. And the key names, Johnny Sexton and James Ryan, are back in the 15. So we'll keep tabs on that on Music and Sport tomorrow afternoon. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going back to Old Trafford. His AC Milan side have drawn Manchester United in the Europa League draw. <laughs> Pat is delighted about that he's the only man I know that talks about himself in the third person but anyway. Zlatan yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't think there's any uh, self uh, uh, they asked doubt him, there you know they asked him when he went to um, Manchester United you know would he be a, will he be a hero yeah. he said I'll be a god <laughs> I, uh, I love Zlatan and, uh, and AC Milan I like AC Milan too yeah and self a, confidence a is an understatement though it I think is. when it comes Absolutely. to him <laughs> yeah yeah he's brilliant uh, just looking at some of the other British sides Arsenal are at Olympiacos and Rangers will play Spartak Prague who locked out Leicester last night surprisingly mm, yeah I don't think anyone saw that coming no no it was kind of a nearly a foregone mm. conclusion at all the the English teams and mm. Rangers that go through but watching Rodgers after the game the interview I don't think he was that bothered to yeah, be honest yeah, now I yeah. know I think Leicester fans would like a trophy but in terms yeah. of priorities I don't think it's very high up the list um, then there is Guinness Pro 14 this evening Connacht are in action against Benetton at the moment that game is tied at 14 points apiece after 47 minutes and uh, Munster and Ulster are in action at 8 o'clock Munster face the Cardiff Blues while Ulster host Ospreys uh, the bit of golf well Tony Finnow leads the WGC Workday Championship does he? <laughs> he knows he's got eight under par. He's tied for the lead, actually, with Cameron Smith. We all want him to win. Yeah. Is he one of Billy Walsh's fancies? No, uh, he, he's after finishing in the top five. Uh, he has never won a, a tournament, and he has had top five finishes and everything and the last mm. the last day he was in the playoff yeah and uh, he had the chance to win it and missed out and do you know those graphs they often do in all sports where over a calendar year you have guys that are top yeah. but they never win an event he probably <laughs> falls into that category he's, he's up there he's a multi-millionaire yeah. out of it well we won't get carried away because we're only into the second round so we'll see if he can if he has nerves of steel but he's tied for the lead on eight under par uh, from an Irish point of view Rory McElroy is involved uh, he's doing okay he's tied for 17th on three on under. Uh, meanwhile, Shane Lowry's tied for 39th on level par. I still don't think he's uh, come back to a, a, a level footing since he uh, won the was the U, the Open yeah. two years ago. Is it yeah. two years ago at this stage? Is, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I still yeah. think he's on a high after that, even two years on. So I defended it last year. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god and finally the snooker is from the players championship John Higgins knocked out Mark Selby 6-0 earlier on so that's a drubbing two heavyweights in snooker there and Barry Hawkins and Ronnie O'Sullivan get underway at 7 o'clock this evening and uh, Dundalk the 6.30 is in it was won by number 6 San Andreas at 5-2 and in second was number 3 Confide at 9-1 so you're bang up to date um two women that'll be very happy the Downey sisters Irish Independent into the Irish Independent Hall of Fame on Monday Pat ah yeah and much uh, deserved fully deserved yeah and uh, I suppose the great thing about it is the two of them uh, is the first time uh, that two have been inducted Nicky yeah there was history and uh, there was yeah there was, was the first time it was happening yeah yeah mm. two together I'm sure no better they're pair. inseparable yeah. anyway <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah and like what they've done for Camogie Nicky even now up until 
which of course Anne Downey was managing the senior team what they've done for Camogie as a pair has just been remarkable Yeah well Liam it's worth remembering that they also won a dual award for the first time ever in 1987 it was presented to him by Ronnie Delaney it was uh it was the B&I award, so it is ironic. It was a first at that stage as well in '87, mm. and I picked that up from a Kilkenny yearbook during the week and sent it off to Anne. So it's not the first time they were winning a major award uh, as twins, and it is quite they're just amazing. winners. They've outlasted yeah. B&I. They've outlasted <laughs> B&I they're yeah. just they're just winners. Uh, um, yeah, Joe Lochnan on Sunday evening, Nicky, and uh, he was his usual self. Um, the one point that I took from it was he wouldn't survive as a manager nowadays, according to his own opinion. Yeah, well, well I was managing around his time as well, and I wouldn't either. Yeah. So um, I can see that life life has moved on an awful lot. It's it's totally different now, and uh, it's just the way it is. I think he was he was he was well, enough. The reason they wouldn't is both of them were dictators. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that's that. That's not in trend anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know about oh, you have to have a however, look, teams. Look, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a different it's a different times, I suppose. In fairness, yeah. look, I mean, Jerez is uh, he's he was calm enough in some respects. I mean, he uh, he was honest about Clare or Limerick being so dominant at the moment. He talked about Kenny, obviously. Uh, you know, mm. certainly because of lack of underage success, he worries about us. So do we all. Mm. And of course, he was. Um, he mightn't quite as forthright maybe in his comments about Clare as he was in a newspaper article oh, recently yes. as well. But he does he does appreciate those major problems. But they did they did go somewhere towards maybe uh, reversing those earlier in the week with a, a county board meeting. So maybe it's going to take a good while. But maybe the the replanning of the GN Clare is now going to commence mm. and uh, there may be better days ahead. He didn't mince his words about the problems in Clare Pat and uh, you know there is, we have to be honest there is a lot of problems maybe mm. structurally within the county. Yeah I'd say the other night was the first step towards the recovery in Clare you mm. know I think that's that was the the first step and uh, sure look it happens things go in cycles and uh, you know down through the years you go through really golden eras and mm. all that kind of thing and maybe uh, people they take their eye off the ball a little bit and uh, then they just go back to basics again and get going again you know that's mm. the way you know when you look at the great Kerry team of the 70s and early 80s then there were you know the the there were what 10 12 years out winning all Ireland and mm. uh, until uh, back uh, until the the late 90s you know so that's, yeah, that, that's hard to, to credit. The same thing happened carrying minor football. You know, they 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 didn't they weren't winning minor football at all, and then they kind of got their act together and they won. What was it, five in a row? Mm. You know. So I just wonder, Nicky. You know, the GA organisation is is somewhat unique, and there there is an element of loyalty and community involved. So, when someone provides a good service, no matter what position they're in within an authority. Does it get to a stage where it's almost awkward to nearly say it's time for you to stand down or it's time for you to step aside? Is there that element to it where you don't want to be almost disrespectful to someone? Well, historically, I suppose you've had people staying in long roles. You're yeah. far too young to remember in the Sunday Tribune. Patrice, you will know what I'm talking about now. The, the, the late Eugene, Mc, Eugene um, McGee. McGee writing about a fellow called Larry McCann. <laughs> yeah. uh, Larry was the uh, was the, the name he gave this club officer, and literally he was writing a piece most weeks about Larry and the, what Larry would be doing at this mm. particular point in time. And 
you know, it was uh, it was in- indicative of maybe many club people in those days. Now, ironically, on Sunday evening in, the, in his soapbox, Barry Henriquez is talking now, not uh, in a far more positive light, about the workings of divisional boards in Kilkenny, with particular reference to the Southern Board, and he mentions many names who were some of the most yeah. influential administrators in in, uh, in Kilkenny. So, look, at in those, it was different back years ago. Now, the whole world of the GA, <coughs> excuse me, has moved on so much. And I mean, there's so many different paid people in the GA now. And the the challenge really is, is that um, is that there is a retirement age. And while many people uh, balk at that, and you know, with justification, why mm. why should people be forced to retire? Uh, I think it is it is at the heart of some of what the what the GA is, is trying to do is that it it uh, supports financially counties with the uh, with the employment of many people uh, and there are certain criteria set down in relation to that and, and one of those is is that people retire now by the way if you're retired from a position in the GA and a paid position in the GA it do, there's nothing to stop you carrying on in a, in another position as a volunteer for as long as you want to yeah. so just, just to bear that in mind yeah um, moving away the Congress now there's always a whole heap of stuff that comes out of these uh, of these weekends every year the one thing that caught my eye was this whole thing of two players lifting the trophy what's the issue with that yeah there's a number of uh, there's a number of there's about five motions Liam, yeah. that probably need to be looked at the first one there as you just mentioned is motion number seven it's where they're saying only one person can go up and lift the trophy what's the thinking um, I, I'm not I don't I, I'm not as fair with some of the background to that yeah. now but I mean that's obviously um, it's, it's just felt that uh, maybe the whole the whole presentation ceremony is becoming overloaded with the uh, number of people coming up and speeches dragging on and uh, you know some people they don't have to read a script and all that sort of stuff so yeah. I think it's a crime it's trying to get the whole presentation thing done a bit better that's a motion that will be there obviously motion 12 which is splitting the inter-county season yeah, between club and county now I suppose a funny year that has been yeah. d- d- debated but I mean that's coming whether we like it or not um, I think motion 13 which is not relevant to Kilkenny but very relevant to other counties Tipperary in particular it says the motion would limit the number of teams in a county senior hurling a football championship to 16 now that will ironically I heard the Tipperary chairman Joe Kennedy talk in favour of that but I'm quite sure his divisional board pers- uh, colleagues mightn't have thought that much of it Number 20 is the big one, of course, which is the um, aims to introduce a penalty for cynical fouls in football and for the first time in hurling as well. So there's lots of talk about that. The GPA came out in the last couple of days saying they wanted withdrawn. In my view, left it, leaving it very late to be, to be making that sort of a statement. So it's not going to be withdrawn. Will it get through? The, the vibes are interesting. I'm hearing different vibes and uh, seems to be a lot more people for it than would have been the case because it was heavily defeated last year. It did, it did get uh, enough to go through this year. And finally... And one that's very relevant, uh, even in Kilkenny. If you start a game with 13 players, and I'm thinking now of a lot of the smaller clubs here, mm. in the past you had to finish with 15, but now if you start with 13, you can finish with 13. That's where it's a 15-a-side competition. If it's a 13-a-side, it's a different thing. But if you start with 15 now, uh, start with 13 now in a 15-a-side competition, you don't have to have 15 to finish the game, and, uh, otherwise you would lose the game. Anything irk you there, Pat? <laughs> that was a great thing. Uh, you know, you started with 13 yeah. and you, you got... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were lads pulled in from the sideline to to stand in the go stand in the corner there yeah. at half time. Yeah. You needn't run just to make the fifteen. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, anything annoy you or you agree or disagree with um, those the, motions? The the only thing I'd be wondering about there is uh, the you know the um, uh, sin bin and uh, the cynical foul yeah. thing and all that. Um, in the the way the year is shaping up, so let's say this thing is passed. 
and I think uh, I had a piece on the on the sport during the week. Uh, Nicky saying that that you know there'd be no trial of it in any being for the championship. Yeah, and you have no trial it's not of tested, it. Yeah. It's not tested. It's not tested, and that so. I think that that might get pushed back to the autumn yeah. because of that. Because not not because people are uh, don't want it, but they say, look, it's on, we mightn't have any national league, and we mightn't have any. We might be able to test this thing out, or are we going to bring it in cold into the but, championship? But what's wrong with cynical fouling? Is it not part of the game in some respects? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to do it. Sean Cavanagh would probably back me up. Yeah, but look, <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, if you have to do it, fine. But there has to be a penalty for it. But I, I think Pat is right. I, I would know, having obviously chaired a few congresses in my day, you have to detect the mood of, um, of, of the the way the the, the discussion is going, mm. and there is times. And uh, it's going to be very difficult now tomorrow because it's a it's a, a virtual congress, so it's not as easy if we're sitting sitting in a hall watching it. Because sometimes somebody has to stand up and say, "Look, I suggest we withdraw this motion and leave it go to the to yeah. the special congress." I hope that the I hope the president has people lined up at this stage to do that because there's no way that it. it be crazy going to a vote and it'd be lost in my because I think something has to happen mm. but Pat is right it might not get an opportunity to be tried out and and that's that's one thing could go against it now, the the other thing too that I'm a little wondering about is you know you have a black card and a sin bin is it both yeah, I think it's both, Pat. Yeah, I, look, I haven't read up. Whereas on this now. In, we, we say in the football you'd have a sin, you'd have a black card. Yeah, and a lag comes in and replaces you. Yeah, I know. So that, the, yeah. you know, it be down to fourteen. I, I, I'd have to read. I'd looks have to like, read the, like I'd have to read the text of the of the of the motion. The hurling, it, the, it appears to me that the hurling like you'd be in the sin bin for ten minutes. So would it be a temporary so sending off? Yeah, 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 you'd be down to fourteen men plus a penalty. Mm. So that's that. I mean, that's a very heavy, heavy, heavy. And you can't really miss a penalty in hurling anymore. Yeah, that's very heavy foul. Uh, you know, very yeah. heavy thing for, for foul inside the twenty-one. And it's the referee deeming whether it is a goal scoring opportunity. Has it to be inside the D, or has mm. you know if it is well out to the right or the left to the goal, you know. So well, I'll give you the precise wording now, and I'm not going to interpret it. You can make it up what you like. Notwithstanding provisions of existing playing rules, I'll just skip a little bit of the following infractions are committed on an attacking player with a goal-scoring opportunity, either inside the 20-meter line or the semicircle arc, A, to pull down an opponent, or B, to trip an opponent with hands, arm, leg, foot, or hurley, or C, to use a hurley in a careless manner. The following penalty shall apply. A penalty puck shall be awarded to the team affected. Additional to being issued, a caution, yellow card, the defender shall be sent to the sin bin for 10 minutes right mm. so you're down to 14 men in the penalty yeah you're mm. down to 14 men in the penalty yeah, yeah. But are we are we are we getting to the stage now where not only are we debating if it's a foul or not, but we're debating if it's a foul or if it's a cynical foul? Yeah. Because yeah. how do you like? I mean, well, I think the issue here is if there's an opportunity for the player who is uh, who is who's going through, as an, if the referee deems an opportunity to uh, to to score. I, I I think myself, despite everything, I think referees are smart enough to know. I mean, we can all look back last year and we see a number of a number of offences took place and look, they were cynical and. Uh, look, I trust referees on this one. I think they're smart enough. And those who are saying that referees have been asked to do too much, they have they have cop on between the ears. They don't need a TMO, no? 
No, don't go there. Oh, no. <laughs> I know you have suggested the TMO. The GA does not want a TMO. I was never in favour of Hawkeye because I just felt it could never be fairly applied across the whole country. Yeah, because which is of proven. the cost of technology, yeah. which is proven. And I'm saying stay miles away from TMO. We, we, when there's matches out in uh, Nolan Park or Jenkinstown or down in wherever Ballyhale, there's no TMO. The TMO are the are the are the, are the referee and his own linesmen and his umpires. Let them be the TMO, the, and we have enough. The, the smart hurling ball has started all. It won't really because then you'll, then you'll need, a, then you'll need a, a bit of technology on the, on the goal on yeah, the crossbar. Yeah. So you have that in your phone, you're all right. Um, finally, before we go, Tiger Woods, an horrific crash on Monday evening. I, he was lucky to escape with his life. That's his golfing career over, surely. I you don't know. I mean, look at it. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the golfing journal is going to be made for the next year and a half to know if he's going to come back and he's going to look at all the college yeah. Look, the bottom line was the man was looking to escape. Very much so. And in fairness, I thought uh, Rory McIlroy. I, I thought he. I thought he. I thought he was very good the way he presented the whole thing. Yeah. Life was more important than. I don't think the car will ever go again anyway. No, oh, <laughs> the no, It'll probably work to few Bob because a lot of it wanted as a souvenir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have yeah. A, a part of his car up on the wall. That's grotesque. Just as well, just very as well grotesque. It might be. Yeah, just as well to such a big, uh, a big vehicle. Okay, lads, thanks very much. A couple of texts before we go. Jim Fogarty has been in. He says he's very sorry to hear of the death of PJ Garvin. Used to have good fun with him and Tommy O'Connell at lunch in Brannigan's. So that's Jim Fogarty's text. And uh, Declan has been in touch as well to say he enjoyed the tribute to Gary Halpin. And we, of course, send on our condolences to Gary, to uh, Gary's family at this very, very difficult time. But that's our lot for Talk Sport. Don't forget Saturday Sport back tomorrow from 12 midday. Do tune in for that. But until next time, from me, Liam Kelly O'Rourke, bye-bye, take care. Stay tuned for Paul Brophy with Communities and Action. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.